Welcome to the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast, the podcast that helps you find solutions for your weight concerns that will last a lifetime. You've got this. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss for physicians. I am not providing medical advice and listening to this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. This podcast does not replace the need for consultation with a licensed professional and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing. Welcome to episode 168 of the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Siobhan Key. Thank you so much for joining me. All right, I have another exciting interview for today. The whole theme of the month of January is making 2020 an amazing year. So I've invited on some of my best physician coaching friends to share their views and their tips about the New Year's. And I got to tell you, I'm loving these because Every interview, the coaches have different tips, different ways of viewing it. And I think these interviews are going to be super valuable for you guys because hopefully in each of them, there'll just be something new that resonates that you can take away as you go through setting your intentions and your goals for the year to make this year amazing. Now, the week that you're listening to this, doors are opening for Stress Eating SOS. So if you want to take everything that we're talking about in these interviews and get help applying it to your life with a focus on eating so that you feel in control around food, so that you find freedom around stress eating, freedom around binge eating, and start losing the weight to reach your weight loss goals then Stress Eating SOS is the program for you. Head over to weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash SOS to learn more and to join. We'll see you there. All right. Welcome to the podcast, Ali and Krista. So excited to have you guys on here. Can you introduce yourself to everybody? Ali, you want to go first? I'm Ali Novitsky and I am a physician coach and I focus on health and particularly optimal health. And I'd say kind of my... Focus really is helping everyone achieve, well, everyone, so women physicians achieve kind of optimal body composition, optimal health. And we do that through strength training and eating well and getting our minds in alignment with our body and all that good stuff. So thank you so much for having me. And I didn't say this, but I'm the CEO of Life Coaching for Women Physicians, and that's my coaching business. Nice. And Krista? Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. My name is Krista Olson, and I'm actually a full-time practicing OBGYN in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and I am a physician coach as well. And I tend to coach female physicians. I do some one-on-one coaching in other spaces that aren't just physicians, but my program is female physicians. And I really focus in on how do we live your true life? What is that life that you want to lead? the body, the person, the mindset, the mentality, how you're showing up for yourself in the world. And so as we go into the new year, we get to decide how are we going to roll that all into one. So thank you so much for having me on. Excellent. Super excited. So I am loving these podcast interviews that I've been doing because it gives me an opportunity to chat and kind of learn from all of you. It's so much fun for us to be in a room because we each do our own coaching work in kind of our own little silo. And then when we have these opportunities to chat together. I find I always learn and take away stuff. And I think everybody listening will take away a ton. Let's start talking about the new year with what you guys do. So what are your own routines or rituals? Or do you have them of how you approach the new year? How do you approach your own goals or your own? Do you do resolutions? All that sort of stuff. Chris, why don't you start? Such a great question. And I may have a bit more of an avant-garde answer. 
I'm not a big new year resolution person. I am more of a reflection person and a learning winning person. So I'm also, since I'm full-time practicing OBGYN, I'm not a new year's Eve person. So my kind of go-to almost every year is I take in-house call on new year's Eve, which is where we sleep at the hospital. And I think what a better place to spend than welcoming little babies into the hospital or being there for those physicians that can't make it in on the icy road since we're in Minnesota. And what I usually do is spend the evening writing. And I write all about the last year, what went well, what didn't go well, what kind of an intent did I set for that year? Had I reached it? So it's almost like the strategic planning session with myself. And I really love it. It allows me to dig deep into that reflection of I started off the year with this sort of intent or idea as to how I wanted the year to go. What kind of roadblocks got in my way? May they come around again? How did I approach them? That's interesting. That didn't work so well, right? And then what I do is I kind of take that reflection or that personal strategic planning session and I set intent for the next year. What are my goals? Not necessarily this when the calendar page turns, this is going to be this new overhaul of me, but what do I want to work on this next year? And how am I going to have my own back to make it happen physically, mentally, spiritually, professionally? And I kind of break it up into those buckets. So that's my approach. We have a really similar approach. I do the same thing New Year's Eve. It's like I reflect back and I have to like listening to you talk about it, I'm feeling excited about doing it tomorrow because it's one of the most rewarding things I do. Like it's one of my most enjoyable self-care things is that like reflection of like what actually happened and viewing it from a different lens than what might happen just automatically as you go through busy days and busy weeks. Love it. Ali, how about you? I love listening to all these. This is so cool. So for me, New Year's Eve is, well, it's really special. My younger brother was born on New Year's Eve. So every year we would go, well, this was our thing. We would go to Disney and we would go to Epcot and it was super fun. And so what I can tell you is in my early years, right? I was always on the yo-yo diet train. And so I can tell you in my early years, yeah, New Year's Eve was like the last hurrah, right? Before we're going to start fresh on the new year. And then I would say I got into my early 20s and that really changed for me. It's when I really kind of found more intuitive eating. And so I'm kind of going this way with it because what I like to do on purpose is about six weeks out from the new year, I like to evaluate my health. I really do a big health evaluation. So all you out there who have waited to get your screening exams, go do them six weeks before the new year. Maybe next year you'll do it. But I, I make sure everything's in order. Sometimes I get good news. Sometimes I don't. But at least I know like, okay, health-wise, where am I? And what do I need to do? And so six weeks out, I start because when I come into the new year, I want to have full energy. And so what I'd say is probably, and what I recommend to my clients even, is how can you come in January 1st having the most energy, the most energy preservation, I think, and how can you plan to be able to harvest that energy throughout the year? And so for me, what I do is similar to what you all do. I think I don't do as much journaling writing, I think, but the part I do is like what is like in deficit right now, right? And so right now I just did the inventory and I'll share quite honestly, energy is huge deficit for me right now. I am not in my highest energy and I know why. I know exactly why because I kind of reflected and mine definitely is an imbalance with business and personal life. And so I was real honest with myself. I said, okay, great. What do we have to do to change that? So I do my health goals about 
six weeks out. That way I'm coming in and it's an, it has broken the old pattern of when I used to say January 1st. Now I'm already dialed in. And then I really reflect on, okay, the deficit thing. And so then what I did today, because now I'm prepping because tomorrow we're hitting the 31st. I decided, okay, I know where I need to hire somebody in my business. I actually found that today because I reflected and said, this is where my energy is getting like completely eaten away. I need to hire somebody because I'm going into the new year with a deficit, but I plan to be rejuvenated. And hopefully next year, I'll be able to say, hey, listen, my energy has been pretty stable throughout the year. So similar, I guess, to what you're both saying, but just kind of my approach with finding the one thing because I can get overwhelmed. So I can be like, okay, well, my energy is a problem. And then my cholesterol is not as good as it was last year. (laughs) So like focusing on one thing, I think is helpful. Yeah. And I think just to point out to people listening, when you're talking deficit, I think it has a very different feel to you compared to how most people come into the new year thinking about their deficits. Because most people are thinking about deficits in a like self-shaming kind of way of like, where am I not measuring up and where did I mess it all up this past year versus your use of that term is kind of what am I missing to live my best life? When you're talking, I picture a health wheel. Do you use health wheels? Not use the health wheel, but it sounds exciting. Yeah, no, they're fun because you like color in anybody listening, you can Google health wheel, but you color in the different sections like so your health and then your what would it be like physical health, emotional health, finances, relationships, recreation, and missing some spirituality. And you kind of color where you think you are at any, and it gives you this circle that you can see where the lopsided areas are. So you can see like the emotional health may be really low, or maybe the relationships are lower than what you thought, or maybe work is really low, but your emotional health is high. Like there's, it's a handy little tool. Love it. I'm gonna look it up later. (laughs) Yeah, I can send you a copy of one I've done. So where do you see people kind of getting tripped up when they enter the new year? Where do people go wrong? Because so many people like New Year's resolutions, you love them or you hate them. And the three of us are talking about is we don't do resolutions. We have a different approach. But where do you guys see people getting messed up? I think I would say resolution, strategy, whatever we want to call it, right, is this new intent. Wherever I see the real big trip up is in two buckets, I would say, is one is they approach it with a complete life overhaul. Like, right? Like in 2022, like I'm going to lose 50 pounds. I'm going to love my job. I'm going to fall in love with my spouse again. I'm going to, you know, like all of a sudden you're taking version you and like by the end of next year, you're going to be like the inside out version of yourself. To me, that's number one is when it's just like, oh, I'm just going to become a different person than who I am. Right. And then the number two part, I feel like I see a trip up is when people enter this change phase, this strategy, this resolution, this evaluation phase, whatever we want to call it, this new year, when they're really playing around with consideration of ideas, but they haven't fully converted to a committed idea. Do you know what I mean? And that was a big awakening to me is some of us really like to play with contemplation. And what if that's okay? What if you're like, yeah, someday I want to lose weight or someday I want to start exercising regularly or someday I want to get my charts done before I leave work or someday I want to go out on a date every week with my spouse, like these someday things. And they enter the new year and they're like, oh, all of those things that I'd like to do someday, I'm just going to do. But the difference between contemplation and commitment is this massive action idea, right? This I'm all in no matter what the 
time cost, emotional cost, monetary cost is going to be. And so that's where I really challenge myself, like, don't completely turn yourself inside out. And what if it's okay to leave some things in your space for contemplation? They're going to come down the road. But why don't we choose like just a couple of things to convert to commitment, right? And then we sit down and we say, hey, that's the result I want. I want it the weight down, or I want to get my charts done, or I want to learn how to have my own back. I want to decrease yelling. Like, what is the couple of things that you're saying, I'm all in on it, and I'm going to work on this and rework it and trip up on it and reevaluate it, and this is going to happen. So that's really what I would say is the the two trip ups I often see is like the total life overhaul and then not understanding that there is a difference between contemplating, like I hope to lose weight or I hope to get my charts done versus, yeah, by the end of next year, I'm going to have be this much weight down or by the end of next year, like my charts are going to be done before I leave work. There is a difference. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Yeah, I love that. I was thinking as you were saying that like the whole all or none piece, but yeah, absolutely. I have uh, two things also. I think the first one, what I see often, very often is wanting long-term results, but committing to short-term strategies is probably like one. I'll elaborate on that, but I wanted to say like the second one because I'm going to forget it. Okay. So that's the first one. And then the second one, this is a big one people don't really know what they want because I have so many people, this happens. I'll start with the second one. So don't really know what you want. Well, then try setting a goal and good luck because a lot of times people are like, I really want to lose weight. But then they're like, but actually it's not really that I want to lose weight. I actually want to get stronger or I don't really want to lose weight. I actually want to improve my cholesterol. I don't really want to lose weight. In fact, I'm actually okay with where I am. This is just so programmed in me that I think this is what I'm supposed to do. I should be doing it. And should statements, obviously, when we say we should, then there's that whole huge realm of I'm not good enough in there, right? Because I should be different than I am. And then the other piece is, and I think this is the bigger one, it's to get different results. We hear this all the time. You have to do something different. But when we start to think about, okay, long-term, like for us to get to where we want to be and maintain that long-term, we have to commit to a long-term strategy. So a lot of what Krista was just saying about like, don't try to do it all because that's not going to work. So we need to be able to do little tiny things to be able to, I always say this, pick one little thing. So here's your goal, like on the right, all the way to the right, pick one little thing that'll get you just one step closer to that goal. Get really good at that one thing and don't add on anything else until the first thing seems so just habit and routine. And an example of that could be, so in my group, we're doing a sugar challenge. So January 1st, like I don't do anything like, oh, let's, it's one thing. And what we're doing is we're eliminating added sugars. You should see the resistance I've already gotten. So all the sugar. So does that mean like, what if I go to my kid's birthday party and there's a piece of cake? Does that mean I can't have it? So again, it's like, it's a challenge for a reason. And the idea isn't to eliminate all the sugar, even though that's what I'm saying, but it's to observe what you actually feel like when you're eating a lot less added sugar. So that's the whole thing. I think our brains tend to basically tell ourselves ahead of time that there's no way we're going to be successful. So again, what Krista said, finding a small thing, holding on to that and really becoming good at that one little small thing. Just listening to both of you talk, 
the difference between the contemplative and the commitment and the like doing the one small thing, it takes belief. Like there's that step of you have to actually believe that you can do it. And I do think this is a place where we mess up is we set resolutions. I think we set them from a place of lack is like we're there to atone for something we didn't do right. But then we also set these resolutions that we don't actually believe we can do. So like, yeah, I'm going to lose 50 pounds, but I don't actually think I could ever lose 50 pounds because I always fall off the wagon at three weeks. It's like this sort of classic thought. So I'm going to just try and do it. And what that does is it sets us up for all the failure. All And when I say failure, I mean feelings of failure. It's not actually failure unless you stop and you never come back to it, but it sets you up for that roller coaster emotional ride versus if we can work on starting with whatever you're committing to by believing that you can actually do it, believing you can do it in a way that you like. It's so interesting. I was actually talking with my group about that exact thing last night. And I have two clients that are within like five pounds of where they want to be, right? And they just can't get there. They just can't get there. Last night, even in their voice, they brought up, well, I think that I can get there. I hope to get there. And I said, that's the key. That's what's holding you back. And I said, I almost feel like it's emotionally. Do you know how those like you get those like packing material that are like those little puffed airbags? I know this sounds funny, but what I told them, it's like you're putting one of those between you and your goal when you use that should or hope or I want to, because you don't see yourself at that end point. And it's almost like you have a pressure space that you can't reach it until we pull that out. Right. And it finally clicked with them. Because I was like, until you believe it, it's not coming. And that's really interesting because that brings up like, why do we do that? Why do we put those little, I love that analogy, the little extra like airbags around us between us and our goal. And it's to protect ourselves from this perceived failure. Because we've been taught that if you set a goal and you don't reach it in the right amount of time and you don't reach it quickly enough, you therefore must feel bad about your goal. And that's a big piece of like reaching big goals is not feeling bad about it, no matter what happens. I love that. Well, and I think there's that whole piece too, that you get so close to that goal. And if you haven't worked on the work that comes along with it of learning to love yourself and having your own back and accepting where you are, because that's part of the whole journey. So if we're still on the journey to like, just get to that number on the scale, and then my life's going to like, all of a sudden be angelic with like people singing around all edges of my face, right? (laughs) Then what happens is you're afraid to reach that goal because you start realizing that that number isn't what's going to solve everything, that the new house isn't going to solve everything, that the stopping yelling isn't going to solve everything, right? And so that's where I think sometimes that pressure resistance comes to too, is because when I get there, I'm not feeling like everything in my life is solved. And so really working on that whole process is, I think, such a part of the journey. And I always get excited, not to shift too much, but what you were saying, just when somebody has like a goal that is kind of beyond even the physical piece, that's like when I start to get really excited. Like even when somebody's within, and again, I don't do, I should probably clarify a little bit. Like I am not a straightforward weight loss coach. That's just not what I do, but I'm bringing up the same kind of things that you all are hearing. Cause I think what we're all saying is like, it's not about the weight at all. So it's like, I could have somebody come into my group and they're like, I mean, honestly, the biggest reason, one of the biggest things is I don't feel comfortable exercising. I need to get stronger. I have osteoporosis. Can you help me? 
that's a big, huge thing of what I do. But you know what? The same person right? Could also be like, my weight isn't good. Like it's so tangible to focus on the weight piece. So when somebody comes with something as the new year's approaches and they're like, okay, this is my goal. And so I don't let anybody in the groups give a goal of weight or anything like that. So they have to tell me how many times a week are they going to exercise or how many thought downloads are they going to do a week or the sugar thing, right? Like, so how much sugar can you eliminate? So really trying to take it out of a number to get to, because we're all so good at achieving, right? If you give us a goal, we can get there. And that's uncomfortable for us, I think, for those of us, and I'm sure most out there listening probably are very achievement oriented. So to say, listen, you're not going to get a cookie, no pun intended, for like finishing the race first. We want to see how uncomfortable you can get. That's really where the magic is. And so let's see who's up for the challenge. And that kind of ties into the whole idea of like big goals, right? Like the discomfort. I can't remember who says it, but like, I don't know if this was Brooke Castillo that said this, but discomfort being the currency of big goals. Because I think that's a mistake too that people make is we think once you set a goal, it should all feel good. But the growth that's involved in reaching big goals doesn't feel good. Lots of the time, it actually feels pretty uncomfortable, like what you're talking about. It means you're doing things differently and you're changing not just your life, but you have to change stuff inside you to become the person that reaches that big goal. And knowing that when you start a big goal, knowing that it's going to feel uncomfortable, I think helps a lot versus the fallacy that we've been taught, especially with weight, right? Like we've been taught if you're doing it right, it's going to feel great. It's going to be easy. And I believe, and I talk a lot about finding ease in weight loss because I do think that's possible, but it doesn't always feel easy. It's definitely times where what you're doing to figure out and experience your emotions instead of eating and things like that feels uncomfortable sometimes because it's different. There's actually this little neurochemical piece in goal setting, right? Is that as soon as you state a goal, you get a dopamine hit, right? And that's why it's really interesting and really easy for many of us to be like, oh, I want to do this, right? They keep the want in there because they haven't moved it to the commitment bucket, but that's how they start building their goal list. Because think about any of us where we're like, oh yeah, I want to travel to here or there. I, I want to climb Kilimanjaro or I want to lose 50 pounds, like putting it out in the universe actually lights up the part of your brain that's achievement oriented for that split second. It's the same thing with reading motivational quotes. There was actually a piece on BBC two nights ago about it, how you get this stimulation of that part of your brain. And then what happens is when, if you don't achieve it, if your brain intends that you don't achieve it, it actually can have the opposite effect on you, right? Because it tries to prove to you that, see, you can't reach your goals or see that statement is just false that motivational quote. Now they've also proven in neurochemistry when you can line up that dopamine hit with a plan of action for an achievable goal, which what is that? That's coaching, right? (laughs) That that's where you get the change happening. And that's where then with goal setting and motivational quotes work. Otherwise they can actually backfire. Interesting. It does feel good to set a goal though. Oh my God, it does. <laughs> I'm not saying like, it doesn't. <laughs> like, what could I achieve today? <laughs> right. And then when you achieve it, because Allie, someone like you, you put it out there and you're like, I'm all in. Watch out, girlfriend, right? You're going to get it. But when we were those people who set that New Year's resolution of, I'm losing 30 pounds by February 1st so I can go to some island somewhere. And by day five, you've been, I don't know, 
drinking maple syrup water and cayenne pepper or something, right? To lose this weight. I've tried that You're one. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what a, haven't we all? Right? <laughs> and then you just like throw in the towel. It's more evidence against yourself that you can't do things, right? And so that's where all of us that coach, that's the beauty in coaching, right? Is yes, bring us your goals. Those things that you feel like you can't achieve. We're not going to do them for you, but we're going to be the one standing on the sideline saying, hey, your form is a little funny there. Let's straighten it up. Hey, you're dragging your left leg or you're not planning your food, whatever the thing is. We're the ones here to point it out of what your brain's doing for you. Isn't it amazing though? I mean, even as long as we've all done this, how like even for us, we need people to uh, show us our thoughts. I mean, I think that that's one of the things that really blows my mind every time. That and also like just as an aside, but totally funny is how about when somebody comes to a call and they're like, this is really dumb. I shouldn't even get coached on this. It's like the dumbest thing. And then like they have the breakthrough of their life. So that's the other thing too. It's like, as we enter the new year, like it doesn't have to be big because your big breakthrough might be with like the smallest thing. So anyways, that was just something I thought of. Totally. Yeah. I think it's so interesting and for anybody that's listening, who's new to this, the more you get into the, like, how is your brain thinking and how do your thoughts influence everything in your life? The more you dig in and the more you shift and change, there's more to do. A mistake that people make if you're kind of newer in this is then think, oh, I must be doing it wrong because there's still more to do. And no, it means you're doing it exactly right because we have human brains that are so incredibly complex. There's always going to be more to do. But it's that skill of being just learning how to recognize and shift and be aware and reach out when you need something, when you need an objective view. Those are the skills that matter over your life. There was a lovely thing that was pointed out to me in the last week and someone had said it and they said, you know, you can only grow to the edges of your self-concept. I really like that. Amazing, right? And so that's why when you grow and you hit those goals out of the park, like watch out friends, there are just more goals on the periphery because then you have that evidence, that proof, right? We're science oriented. We love proof. We love the results section, right? Then we sit back and we have that discussion period. What went well with that? What didn't go well? Where's our hypothesis going to be for the next, right? And so you create this self-concept, but like the growth is basically like indefinite, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. And now what I say to myself is I have to be real. Like I have been feeling extremely uncomfortable lately. I know half of the reason why, but the other half, I don't really know why. And I'm like, oh, something big is about to happen. (laughs) Something big. Stay in the discomfort, you know? So I think that that's so interesting and also so true, but it's so easy to want to come out of that discomfort. And then when we keep having all that discomfort, right, just as both of you mentioned, thinking there's something wrong. And I like to say, I use the phrase of when you come and you get coached, like you're getting a toolbox. We're saying, hey, here, here's the toolbox, put some tools in it, understand how to use them. And then over time, as you continue to do it, let's sharpen those up and let's make them power tools. And so thoughts never stop. Things don't ever change. Still the same circumstances, but we just have this huge set of tools. Yeah, I love that. All right. Any last tips about approaching the new year, how to make 2020 amazing? Take a couple of things move them into your commitment bucket, not too much and use some grace. Love that. I would say, think about what it feels like for just a moment to trust yourself and just realize that might feel a little bit uncomfortable. It's okay. 
and just see what it feels like to trust yourself. And then ask yourself the question, what would be so wrong if I just did this all the time? I just learned to trust myself and committed to trusting myself because I'll say that we all know the answer. And when we show up for ourselves and we trust ourselves, we develop the relationship that we deserve. I'm going to say that's a thought we deserve to have with ourselves. I think that's really where we can start to believe that we can handle anything. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Do you guys want to let people know where they can find you? Sure. So super easy. It's just lifecoachingforwomenphysicians.com. And that's where you can find everything I do. I have a blog, a podcast, information about my programs, and that's pretty basic. There you go. Thank you so much for having us on. Happy New Year to everyone. And you can find me at truelifemd.com. And you can always email me at Krista at truelifemd.com. Excellent. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day, guys, to chat. This was super fun. Thanks for the invite. Thank you so much. There was so much good stuff in that interview. And I really appreciate Krista and Ali taking the time to come on and be interviewed today. I think they shared really good tips that are very practical that I hope you can use and apply to your own journey. If you're listening to this and enjoying this podcast, please consider taking the time to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast. It really helps a podcast get found. And there's so much good stuff in this that any physician would benefit from hearing. So please head over to wherever you listen to the podcast, leave a review for us to help other physicians be able to find this and consider sharing these episodes with people that you know, people that you think might benefit other physicians, because there's so much here that any physician on any sort of journey would benefit and would make their lives better. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Have a fantastic week. Bye-bye.